It's Justin from the All Things Techie podcast and before we get into the next episode I want to explain that I was missing in action for the month of February due to a family bereavement of my late dad Bobby and I want to thank all the listeners, all the fans and all the AV tweeps, all my contacts for sending me messages of condolence throughout the month of February and it meant so much to me after his passing two weeks ago. Also want to thank Chuck Espinoza and all the guys from Evixa for their support. I was supposed to do a flash track at ISC 2019 and due to everything that happened in February, I wasn't able to attend. Thanks to Chuck for stepping in and presenting my flash track at ISC on the Tuesday. And I also want to thank all the fans who voted for me with the good news of me winning the avnation.tv av professional of the year for 2018 that meant so much to me in all the roller coaster that was in february thank you for your continued support to the podcast and let's get right to it all things techie podcast brought to you by two tech junkies justin dawson and simon lang for more visit www.allthingstech.ie for all things techie the All Things Techie Podcast is a product of the Extreme Media Network. For advertising and sponsorship opportunities, please visit www.extrememedia.ie. That's X-T-R-E-M-E, media.ie. Well, in episode seven of All Things Techie, we didn't have a, for several reasons, we didn't have a February edition of All Things Techie, but we're now having a series of episodes in March because um, there's so much things that's going on in March that we have been invited to as, as well as members of press, which means we're going up in the world, Simon. We're going <laughs> up. <laughs> um, if you'd like to get in contact with the program before we tell you what's coming up in this show, if you'd like to get in contact, you can visit our website, www.allteamstech.ie. We are going to sort out that HTTPS jargon if Google's throwing up an unsafe message on your site. We'll sort that out during this month when 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 we get paid, um, because we 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 work on <laughs> donations and sponsorship for our show. If you want to find out more, visit our website allthingstech.ie. Yeah, you can contact Simon at SimonLangAV and myself, Justin at. Justin or Dawson on Twitter. We also use the hashtag All Things Tech E for All Things Techie. Simon, uh, you've had a busy month as well, even though uh, it hasn't had this roller coaster of events as I have. You have had a busy month of February as well, including the fact that you weren't able to get to ISE either. Yeah, I've been still stuck in a, a multi phase project, which is uh, going and still going. Um, of AV it installs yeah and it's interesting because some of the stuff I'm dealing with leads into some of our topics today anyway we're, if we're going to be talking about AV over IP and compared to older stuff and newer stuff and how do we make them all work together which so so that's been a big part of my uh, month of issues it, it's a great actually area to start off on actually Simon which is um, Dante, AV over IP. Um, do you know what? R- remind me to come back to something that like I it took ages for me to f- figure out what it actually was all about. And then 
Um, and that is AB as a service, A-B-A-S-S, or A-A-S, acronyms, Thanks. acronyms, acronyms, and acronyms. Today's show is brought to you by the letters A-B-A-S-S. Right, well, we come back to AB as a service, right? Because this is the new, like, catchphrase of AB. We're going to come back to that later on. But we're going to talk about... AB over IP. What exactly is AB over IP? Well, in the next couple of episodes, we're going to be talking about Dante and us and AB over IP, including the fact that we have got, like I was just telling all our listeners, we have got tickets to AES. What is AES? It's the Audio Engineering Society who are doing a full four-day convention in the convention centre in Dublin. So we were able to score some tickets as members of press to go along to it. Some really great uh, conversations that's going to be coming up um, at AES. Bluetooth in cars, forensic audio. They're doing a tour of the Windmill Studios, that's U2 Studios. Um, They also are doing a tour of Abbey Theatre. Now, we're not going to be able to fit everything in. And we have been told by AES that we can't record full seminars. But we're going to give you a really, really cool showreel of what happened at AES. Take loads of photos, maybe a little couple of snippets of video, and we'll share them with you this month. You have put a lot of AB over IP into your new project, Simon. But when things go wrong, which they will happen, because that's what keeps us in a job, when things go wrong, what do you do when like you have audio and visual over IP and like the network's just not responding? Now, usually that is usually where the first problem happens is um, it's a switch in the middle now where before it used to be like an, a matrix mixer of load of inputs, load of outputs. It, it's all audio visual, nothing can go wrong. Now I feel like I need to have an actual Cisco qualification or a some networking qualification because if some you're dealing with switches, you're dealing with quality of service or QoS as some people call it, multicasting streams. Oh yeah, keep going, they keep getting longer and longer. And so you're now dealing with switches that are carrying Dante, as we mentioned, or Cobra or whatever people are using out there. You might have a mixture of some Crestron stuff. You might have a mixture of AMX stuff. You might have a mixture of Kramer stuff. And they're all going through these switches and trying to use different protocols and trying to get things to work together, talk to each other, control each other. And from the end user point of view, you go and press a button and everything switches on. Well, this is where it comes into an interesting conversation. And I personally don't know enough about it. You've tapped into it a lot more with um, with your new project. But is there? it seems like there's going to be a lot of different versions of audiovisual over IP, where it be SDVOE, where it could be AVB, or it could be Dante. And then you named a couple of other ones there as well. So like... Yeah. And they're just the audio ones, and they're the visual the ones. Yeah. And then you get you get someone like so. Crestron has NVX. Yeah. Um, and AMX has the SVSI, which is an older system, older in the sense it's been around longer, not older as in technology. 
It's just mm. been around longer. Um, you got Biamp, who are really coming into the market they're now. Up. And they're not, they're visual and sound as well. So, and then you heard recently at ISC. I always thought Biamp were just going to keep to their audio end of things. And it seems like they really have tapped into the, the visual end now. Yeah, their Lux range. I think it's L-U-X, or I think is how you pronounce it. And so, so, and they have now video servers where you can have um, your college recordings and your streaming video on demand. They're like, they're really going into it in a massive way as well. And, um, and then wasn't it ISE, Dante themselves announced video that's right as well so dante is no longer being associated as just an audio thing it's a video thing so you, there's lots of out there but do you think that dante because they have had such a say in the audio of ipn that means that they're really going to take control or i love i love to hear listeners thoughts on this is it going to be fully a dante type thing? like you know when we've been to ISE, we've seen HD Base T as an alliance, and you have so many companies buying into HD Base T. Dante, it seems like when you go along and you look at digital mixers, you see Dante printed on a lot of the material. Do you think that it's going to go the same way when it goes into the visual ends of things and Dante really buys into this visual ends of things? Do you think it's going to also become an allegiance to Dante? I think where it's really, because like with Dante, loads of companies are making Dante products. Mm. So if you go down the visual range, that means loads of smaller companies who are making visual products can now join into the video over IP aspect of it. So you're not, so people aren't tied into having to use Crestron or, or AMX or Kramer or all those really good brands but they're just, there might be something for everyone on the range of the market. If there might be a small company who can't afford a Crestron device that's over a thousand euros to now there's might be a couple the ones that are lower, lower quality, but also a lower price on the market that might be more business class versus enterprise class. So I definitely think there's a diff, there's room for everyone there in the market. But I think, yes, they are going to kind of, um, mix it up a bit because when you think about Crestron recently announced their um the their original NVX product was a single device that could do encode or decode. Now yeah. they've bought a individual devices that are just encoders or individual devices that are decoders, which is all about kind of and they, then the price with that comes down dramatically into the lower half of I think it's around the three hundred to five hundred euro market versus their original product is over a thousand euros wow. okay yeah now it, we're going to go into the troubleshooting end of things like we did we, we were tipping on that like it comes to events mainly for big big events small events sometimes you could be just talking about okay the network goes down it might just affect a podium mic or something like that in especially in higher education but when you come to events, large-scale events, and you're relying on AV over IP, and you've done your tests, and then all of a sudden you realize, oh, whoa, this isn't working the way we want it to work. What is the backup scenario? Have we got PA system in-house? In 
for private sector? Ned, the backup is often very hard to know what to do when it's when you have a network totally designed for audiovisual over IP and you have a large conference rolling in a PA system 10 minutes before everyone walks on stage and trying to run your cables won't happen if you talk to any live events company mm. build ins for for a typical analog system could is hours of work mm. so so I don't know the short answer to what is our backup other than you probably have better resilience in your network setup so if you're going with dante you have a backup dante running mm. you so then you have a failover for your audio if you're running um, would that be something that you guys have built into your project as a pay? yes okay okay yes. interesting yes we 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 have to in our high critical areas have to um have resilience mm. that was but the resilience in the sense of basic room visual resilience is is just straight connections as in we have a hdmi from a floor box to a screw to a projector direct is, yeah so that's a bit which is that's but that's that's fine in a single room in a large joined room where you might have eight to ten screens running you don't, we don't have, have a backup yeah, visual yeah. okay we have a backup of the audio yeah, because the audio is Dante, and you just flip over to a second. But third side, if you have a conference and you lose visuals, if you could have audio only, I think the conference can more or less continue. Okay. I know, I know, you lose your visuals, but I think if people are going to, are really there to hear what the people are saying, you can at least kick go. But that's in a, a business environment, somewhere like the convention center where we're talking about. They probably have some other massive backup system that we wouldn't. I wouldn't even know where to start thinking about mm -hmm. at this point. But we would love to hear from guys who have done conferences and around um, around Ireland, around the world. You can get in contact with All Teens Tech E uh, podcast. We can you can visit our website www.allteenstech.ie. You can contact Simon and myself at Justin or Dawson is my Twitter handle. Simon's over there at, at Simon Lang AV using the hashtag all teams techie. Um, for, and uh, we love to hear from just different scenarios. Like has it happened to you? Has it not? What, how you made things work? Have you got a backup plan? Is it analog? Is it digital? Let us know. Or oh, what is the chances that things actually fall apart in in scenarios like this? Let us know. Allthingstech.ie. Um, so I haven't done much reading about it, but I do want to get an old pal um, that we've listened to several of his webinars about, which is the new version of USB three. It's now going into version three point two, I believe, and. Yeah. Let, please God tell me that they're not changing the shape of the USB connection again. No, anything I read quickly on this topic, because this is one area I'm definitely not an expert in. No, is that that um, it's still micro USB, mm. and the U, the USB A connector, or as it's going USB A is USB C connector. Yeah. So I think 
But it, the that, USB C one is the yeah. one that can. You flip uh, both ways. Yes, flip. That's that's everyone's dream. Goes both ways. And I'm even noticing on laptops. Most laptops nowadays don't even have USB A, which is the standard flat connector. It's mm -hmm. the new USB C seems to be the standard connector. And if you need the other ones, there's adapters. Yes. Yeah. So so we're we are going that route. But I think I read about the standard is it's all about data transfer. Mm. It seems to be about uh, in theoretically speaking, because everything says theoretically, is is anything up to um ten to twenty gigabytes transfer per second. Mm. Yeah, which I, I, is which is a humongous compared to, like an old network cable now, like a was it a Cat six cable? You can get one gig mm. connections. Yeah, speeds. So that's um, that's that's you think that's ten times that. Yeah, uh, like I always, I always think that you know you might you might be able to get these um, USB connections, but like you want to make sure that your computer and processor can, can handle this absolute speed yeah. of transferring data as well. You know, and what's funny is like, you have to always think about it's the It has to be all devices are on the same type of speed. You know, like for example, we use a lot of GoPros in, in higher education. And, um, but I know the version of the GoPros that I have are would not be able to run at the at the speed of USB 3.2 or USB 3. It's like it's it's a simple USB 2 connection, and even when I record for about 10 to 15 minutes, it, it the actual file size is so large that I can go off and make myself a cup of coffee and come back, and maybe then it it, it might have transferred. The, the file over but we'd love to hear your comments on it we want to try and get joe cornwall joe, joe is the actual expert on all things usb and connectors and he's done a lot of talks with Avixa, and i'm sure we will contact him at some stage and try to nail him down and see does he want to talk to us for about 15 or 20 minutes um galaxy have come out with their new range of mobile phones or Samsung. There's, oh, Samsung? Oh, yes. Samsung, why, Samsung have come out with a new phone. <laughs> why, why am I saying Galaxy? Yeah, I, I, I have chocolate on my mind. <laughs> Samsung have come out with... The, 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 that was a great cover-up there. Samsung have come out with a new range of phones. Uh, the, the Galaxy 10 range. And, my God... Uh, Foldable phones, Simon. Foldable phones. I, I have to say, I, I did like what I seen with regards to the foldable. But by God, it's like you might as well be buying a, a, an Apple computer or an, a Mac. It is highly expensive. And that's the problem. Will people be able to afford it? Or will people, like in the case of Ireland, the phone often is a bit bill is a bill pay and you're paying it over two years as it is. Yeah. So what are they going to do? Start extending it that you're going to get three years or people's monthly bills are just going to start getting higher and higher, higher and higher 
I, 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 I don't know how people can afford it. I, I don't anyway. So I, I don't either. And I'd, I'd love to hear listeners' comments on it as well. Would, like, is, is it a turn away from buying one of these phones? Or is it going to be the fact that people buy a mobile phone once every five or six years? Businesses maybe want to update them with clients and, and the likes. But if you're buying them personally, I, I don't see it. I, 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 I don't. Yeah, like I think people, yeah, people will want the bigger phone, like the iPhone. Like so, for example, I'm using an eight plus at the moment, mm. um, and it is a big enough size screen for rooting around a, a document while also checking your mails. Um, and people don't want to be carrying tablets around in their pockets. So, so we're, we're kind of gone from the point where we were trying to get bigger, bigger, bigger. And we would try to now get smaller, smaller. And now we're going back again the other way where phones are they're trying to get bigger again, but fit in a smaller space. So that's hence the foldable. Yeah, but even, even with the foldable, right, the length of the foldable, it still wouldn't really fit in your pocket comfortably. I, Not with the, today, with the fashions of today where everything has to be tight and um, curvy to match your body. Yeah, so, yeah, definitely not. Um, yeah, I, but one one company that's really taking on the Samsung and the Apple, I think Apple are struggling. And is the foldable the latest thing? I think is a bit of a gimmick, to be quite honest. I don't think see this catching on unless the prices dramatically drop. But Huawei and their phones are. They are really taking over, as we've discussed before on previous podcasts, Simon, they're taking over the Asian market. They just really need to tap into the European market. Yeah, they're, that's their, um, like, so they have the P30, I think, is coming mm-hmm. out shortly. And that's meant to be a big competitor in terms of the specs, not the screen and the foldability, but in the sense of the the specs, it's out there. Um, I've even seen cameras, seen cameras phones with three cameras on the back so they're trying to now kind of catch this ar vr um kind of um 360 degree wide so you end up with a wide wide angle camera or if you turn i've seen somewhere they're saying that if you turn the cap phone um landscape mm-hmm. the, the camera can take three images and stitch them together automatically for you for like a white a, shot or a hdr type of shot so yeah super type but like some of the, some of the phones that you get now is, is better than a digital slr camera or a digital camera mm. stage where you you can snap and snap and snap and send um but i do think the prices and the tariffs really have to come down before people are interested in getting a phone like this or it is, is it the fact that a phone is now an investment that you have for three to four or five years plus? Love to hear the listeners comment on it. Um, would, you, would you go out and spend over a thousand euro or a thousand dollars on a, a mobile phone? Personally, no. Uh, I'm still happy with my Samsung S8. Um, if I change network, see, even when you change network, Simon, they're not giving you the incentive that if you change network and come to from Vodafone to Virgin, we're going to give you a new phone. And yeah, yeah, or what happens is the phones are um, you for you to change, they're giving you a phone and it's three, four hundred euros 
along with the phone and an expensive price package. Hmm. So whatever way you have to fork out a decent amount of money. Um, where like, so I'm on a lower, I'm on a P20 Lite, which is um, a smaller phone. And that's the way, way is my budget. Yeah, that's the way. Hmm. And then my work phone is a iPhone 8 Plus, as I mentioned. So advantages for being a work phone is often you don't have to pay for it. So mm-hmm. it might suit that market, but someone has to pay for it. In this case, it's the company you work for. And how much are they willing to pay for their staff is really the end this um, question. I, I just also think with foldable phones like that, versus a tablet that would be of the same size when folded out, you know, what is um, companies going to go or choose for? Or even as a personal device, what are you going to choose for first? I would be choosing the tablet uh, personally myself. And you would get the more of the connectors, um, whether, whether we were talking about just previously USB 3 or whether you'd be talking about HDMI connections, you won't get them on a, on a, a foldable phone like that. No, and it's all actually mainly about wireless presenting. Yeah, it is. And, stuff. and that's a whole other topic we could when talk about. When wireless presenting goes wrong. <laughs> <laughs> or when it goes right in the first place. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, this, 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 this is it, Simon. Okay, LinkedIn have now decided to go with a new live platform that will soon be available across um, for... Anyone that does a lot of blogs or even they're talking about rolling it out in full, maybe it's going to be just for the pro uh, people that pay for LinkedIn. Who knows? It still has to be waited and seen. There's some people on uh, better versions of it. Are LinkedIn coming into this live streaming social network a bit too late, do you think, Simon? No, I think so. If they're going for social network, I think they're probably way behind because YouTube and Facebook have really chewed this up already. And I think if it's anything like they're doing their learning platform, which is actually quite popular, where you can do kind of, it's now like going to your local school eight-week course Mm. on a topic that interests you personally or maybe just might help your career develop. That now LinkedIn have a learning platform where you can pay for it these courses and Absolutely. learn from experts in the field about something. So I think it's a different area or a different angle to learning. So maybe they're just taking it a different, this is like professional videos, as you say. And um, I think part like social, it's not really a thing you go, I could see my kids in years to come going, oh yeah, I, did you see that video of so-and-so um, playing a prank on someone on LinkedIn? It, I, it just I, doesn't I think flow. Somebody- top four financial firms and stuff like that might really if linkedin target this correctly they could really buy up that type of market where if you have a professional mm. network and um, that people can also go oh such and such has, has talked at that meeting i'm going to add them to my linkedin and be able to connect with them if it is marketed properly Yes, we don't want to go use the word webinar um, because there's already web. But I think it, it takes away from that Facebook edge, that Facebook is very 
open to all public to just drive a LinkedIn, uh, a linking uh, profile of anyone and everyone can comment on a live stream. We, 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 I've streamed a lot of stuff on Facebook Live. We're talking about doing these programs at some stage with on Facebook Live. Oh, yeah, I didn't mention that to Simon. Um, but uh, <laughs> live. <laughs> but it's, it's a different type of audience. I think LinkedIn, if they target it correctly on a professional network, they might have room to do live streams. Um, for let's say Brexit, for example. Oh well, I mentioned the B word, the Brexit. You know, if if financial firms were covering that end of things, I think it could work. Um, but it's they they're very slow in rolling it out. And yeah, but I guess it's it's how maybe the benefit is there in, by um, integrating it into people's network of connections already. So it's it's targeted webinaring or targeted videoing um, at specific topics as you say so a financial firm targeting everyone who's in who Brexit will affect if you're a audio visual company who use LinkedIn and might be at um, clients and in events area, yeah, or, yeah, yeah. Um, so, I, so which is more targeted because you already have a base already so if you a company have 500 followers or 5,000 followers, you already have 5,000 viewers possibly there before you even send a video beyond that. Mm. So, there, so there is definitely potential there. Well, it, there's potential, but also I think they, they have joined the, the area too late because you yeah. know you, you have like for, if we use AB as an example, we have the hashtags every Sunday morning, AB in the AM, AB tweets, and if someone wanted to do a live stream there, they're probably going to use Periscope because like it's linked in with Twitter and everyone will see it and everyone can join it live and comment through their Twitter handle. Um, and not everyone is on LinkedIn either. You know, some people use it, some people don't. It's, it's I think they it's, Yeah, it's very business orientated. It's, yeah. about, it's about companies and sales and connecting with future clients, present clients, that kind of stuff. It's not really a social about talking about your dog or that kind of stuff. It's very um, company-orientated. In fact, I, I want to mention uh, Irish na National Radio Station, Today FM and Gift Grub did a great sketch on um, with Marion Rosenstock about social networking. And uh, it's supposed to be a man going through a social media building and they go from one place to the next, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn. I, I'm just going to give a plug to Today FM and todayfm.com, look at, at Gift Grub and try and find that social media sketch. Or we might put the link in our show notes afterwards on allthingstech.ie. It's a great little sketch. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, so AB as a service, Simon. You know, it's the it's the new it's the new buzzword that mm. coming up, and I've only realised exactly what the acronym was. Only, but then my argument on this, and some people would love to correct me. I'm sure AB professionals around the world that listen to the All Things Tech pod, Techie podcast will correct me on this. In Ireland, 
and the UK, I would call that a service level agreement. Now, AV as a service, they're probably they're, it's a company providing you with a service. Yeah, but, but, but they're they're they, doing you know, but they're doing it all for you. But I guess as it's it's coming from a cloud based. I think uh, I per point of view because most okay. people are using SaaS, which is yeah. system as a service. Yeah. So it's yeah. a cloud based service that you're you're being provided with. So AV as a service could be cloud based. It could be an AV company that is in the UK could be supporting a company in Ireland using Fusion or the I can't think of the name of Biamp system, but in the sense of someone doesn't have to be in even the same country to support your AV or support you as an AV, as a company. Um, so in theory, I could put myself out of a job here by having, like, if you decided to get, get the kind of service instead of having technicians on the ground mm. of, of high caliber, that you could have just a low caliber technician on the ground supported by a high caliber technician sitting in a control room. So you have one highly paid technician supporting maybe 10, 20 companies versus one in every company. Well, it's interesting you say that, Simon. Like some people, I, I've listened to some AV podcasts at the end of 2018 and just really getting my head around the whole acronym of AV as a service. And that was, you've, you've sort of really caught me out here by saying, well, SLAs have a difference between SLAs and cloud-based. Uh, but some of the podcasts I listened to just said, what are your predictions for 2019? And a couple of AV professionals said, AV as a service will cease to exist. And you know what? I think, you know, at times they could be right. I don't, I, maybe it's a more American thing. I, I don't see it really in Ireland and the UK as well. I don't think Ireland, Ireland, the UK have the staff service. I think it's, it's actually we're behind the States mm. in that point of view. We, we often have, we're still the technician on the ground. Mm. We're not, we're not, we don't have big umbrella organizations looking after um, multiple companies. Um, and I'm going to interrupt and just say, is it the fact that we just don't have fast enough internet to remote on and do all these type of things along with that, IT security? Is it, is it the big forte of going, well, I'm not letting this person come into my network and sort it out? I think that has a part to play on it, depending on your company in the sense of the company I work for and um, it is information is your is your your gold is your value so you're not going to let everyone and anyone in at it mm-hmm. um the other side of it is um if you have a multi-location company you might be able to employ a technician in all those locations so you need to be able to support it on an av perspective and give the end user the best service possible um, and this might be the only way is using these kind of big enterprise systems like I say Fusion or the one that's used by Tessera or I think Kramer have one as well. There's a few companies, big companies out there where they have these kind of remote management tools. Mm. Um, but I know it's probably diverting a little bit. I know you're saying AV as a service. 
in companies has probably been has somewhere also been chewed up with the things we were talking about earlier on, like where AV over IP is very IT orientated. Mm. So AV technicians are becoming more IT technicians then, but you still need the guy standing in the back of the room with his finger on the faders or yeah. at, the sw- at, at the visual mixer. So there's still always a need for that in an event space, but I don't know, is there a need for in companies where it's just meeting rooms after meeting rooms and boardrooms and that kind of stuff. It has been brought up several times in different ways, shapes and forms with AB in the AM as, as a Twitter handle on Sundays and stuff. Is it the fact that AV technicians are learning more IT or should it be IT technicians is learning more AV? And I, to be honest, I still believe that there is a separation that needs to be there. You know, we don't need to know about the Cisco qualifications that you just mentioned about networking and stuff. We have our own ways and means of having to know about sound, about audio mixing, and so that the normal IT technician doesn't need to understand about, okay, increase that by three decibels. Increase it by what? You know, versus us knowing about, okay, that the fact that our audio and visual is not coming through is because it's behind a firewall. Yes, we do understand what a firewall is, but we don't understand the nitty-gritty of what's the firewall, yeah. how, what ports need to be opened, etc. I think people need to be educated both ways. I think IT managers need to understand AV from a basic sense of what sound is yeah. and what visual is and resolutions on screens and all that stuff. And then we do need to be educated the other way to understand that, oh, we are streaming a live webinar. It's using this much bandwidth and we're fighting on the same internet line as the rest of the company is doing all its other other internet related stuff and trying to understand who gets priority and that kind of stuff is it's it's complex and trying to understand it but there's we need to know a little bit they Mm. need to know a little bit about ours and then it's a give and take and working together yeah and i I still think there's room whether or not AV as a service will ever fully kick into Ireland. I I still think in Ireland, people are going to use the words SLA, service level agreements, to say, okay, we can, as a, a third party who's installed this, we can also offer you this type of maintenance, which sort of falls under the remit of AV as a service, but it's still really tied in with service level agreements here in Ireland. Yes, yes, I would agree with you there still. It's definitely like that. Yeah. Love to hear what our listeners think about that, Um, especially if you're in Ireland, if you're trying to offer AB as a service, would you agree that it's usually tied up in a lot of contracts, which is just an SLA? Let us know. Allthingstech.ie is our website. Simon, we're going to have a full episode in the not so distant future about cyberbullying, about live streaming i can't keep up to date with the amount of different apps there is uh, for that are risky to kids but i must ask you about the momo challenge which went viral global and personally i think it was all a hoax 
I actually a bit naive. I don't know very much about this at all. Yeah. Um, I've read about in the papers. I've heard there's been a lot of parents talking about it. I'm I'm a parent of a child that does not um, deal with the internet because she's only three. So mm. look so you. I, yeah. So I I'm not caught up in that, and I'm kind of as an adult, it's not something that crossed my path. So I got to say, I've heard about cyberbullying from other aspects of teenagers using it to pick on other teenagers in class instead of the throwing words across the classroom at the person has gone gone to saying words on Facebook and Twitter and things like that to, to the each other um, or Instagram and Snapchat as um, is probably more popular than what I'm talking about. So I don't know very much about this Momo challenge at all or um, but I understand there is a lot of cyber bullying and a lot of work being done to try and deal with it. Well, from some of the media reports, for what you to believe, it was coming through as an app. It was coming through WhatsApp. People were getting links through WhatsApp to join them to self-harm. Some people said they got them to um, WhatsApp. Other people said they they seen an advert pop up to to join Momo in their challenge via YouTube. YouTube deny all claims as well that there's ever been any adverts to this. Um, some people say it's come to Facebook. So you're hitting all these social media channels, but no one, I from the reading I've done, no one has pure proof that this anonymous character called Momo and if we're going to put, without trying to scare off all our listeners or any parents, but Momo was actually, the history of Momo is, is it was a, either Japanese or Chinese art figure with big eyes and a very straight B-looking face, large chin that looked very freaky. And people started using this picture to as memes and as gifts and in the wrong type of shape means and fashions of what this artist originally made this uh, character for but people are saying there's self-harm videos and stuff on it now I don't think there's much proof of it I haven't gone looking for videos that show Momo as self-harm we are going to have professionals to talk to us about this we're also going to have a full episode for parents for the non-tech folk and some things that even go over my head as a technologist where there is apps where you just go what is this app even made for like i've i've, I've seen a, a list only recently we will share it on um all things techie on our show notes where it was a list of different apps from like i've heard of well, we've heard of Snapchat. We've heard of, but there's there's other ones called Kick. There's other ones called that have a group of ten people that can randomly chat, video chat with each other. That between young preteens and teenagers are using, and it's it's questionable that parents don't know exactly what um what apps that their child is downloading on their phone. And again, it comes down to well. Shouldn't there be more education on what apps 
can be downloaded or as a parent how you lock down your phone we are going to be talking about all this on a separate episode and we're going to have some professionals on it because some of the stuff simon has even scared me with regards to stuff i didn't know that kids could be downloading on their phones yeah it's a big scary world out there it's not where we used to be just confined to our local town well, neighborhood now look, it's anywhere in the world look at the recent things that's been happening simon in dublin where a lot of these teenage gangs that are happening it's happening north and south of dublin them arranging a glorified fight club with knives via snapchat and then recording it and sharing it on social media you know and you know, and and then we can even talk about as recent as um, sort of getting away from youth, but the, the New Zealand atrocity, one of the shootings was streamed live on Facebook. How is this stuff not shut down that quickly? This is this is the question of how do Facebook, how do Twitter, how do any of these live streaming sites shut it down quick enough? It is a Pandora's box. Yes, and I, I definitely wouldn't wouldn't like to have to answer that question. <laughs> you know, we, we don't have the answers to it, but uh, listeners, yeah. we will be doing a separate show on it. Um, we will be talking to, uh, in fact, Simon, one of your old colleagues that um, that works for cybersafe.ie, uh, isn't it? Cybersafe.ie. Yeah, cybersafeireland.org, and um, we will be joining with them uh, in the future. And um, the, the reason we haven't got them on this episode is simply they're so busy going from school to school during the term time and trying to educate children about the safe, safety online. And we don't just mean, like, don't have a stranger join them on social media. We mean like that don't be downloading these apps, and also there's separate um conferences and meetings that they have with parents to educate parents about how to lock down their phone and this is the problem you know with every i o s update with every Android update people or even new phone people don't understand how to lock down their phones properly for kids and as parents as parents, how do we manage the phones? of our kids without invading their privacy to a point but also be parents i think we need to do a twitter poll simon as part of all things uh, techie and ask our listeners if you are even if you're not a parent do you know how to lock down your phone so for example if if to make it that no one else could download a, an app onto your phone I or bet. you, or or a kid, or your kid couldn't download an app without your permission. Yeah, or or come get into your phone. Like how? Mm. Ma- or even we could ask our listeners how many um, of our listeners, if you are a parent, have shared your pin to your phone with your child. Yeah, so yeah, that's just it. We, there's lots of parents, and as I've even seen today. Actually, nephews um, <laughs> um, and nephews being yeah. able to unlock a parent's phone just by observing them over time. Mm. Yeah, even if you don't use numbers, they they have figured out that the key to just go 
a Z shape or an X or you know a Y shape to get into the and and that's why it's great even going back to our Galaxy Ten they're all in, incorporating fingerprint mm. now or vis, or your facial recognition to unlock your phone so my Android is a facial on recognition so it's great I actually don't have to even my daughter doesn't have to even see. So Rebecca hasn't, had, yeah. hasn't gone to the stage of holding the phone up to daddy's face and going, ah, it's unlocked. Now I can watch YouTube. Yes. No, not yet. She hasn't copped that bit. But, again, I, I just hit my mic for no reason. Again, um, Simon, people don't realize that there's a YouTube and there's a YouTube Kids. And YouTube Kids don't have any adverts and it's free of charge and it's just cartoons for kids. Yeah, it's safe and it's 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 down to their age bracket and it even has a great feature of time you can actually time it and and after 15 minutes they know okay that's it i can go do whatever else i want to do well this is this is the point we will be doing a full episode on it guys we want you to send in comments suggestions things that you've used to lock down phones or smart devices or anything that's connected to the internet with your kids and i i had a neighbor only recently telling me how that that uh, santa before giving the xbox over to uh their son figured out how to lock it down that they can only play an hour at a time i think santa's fantastic guys and i and, and that's you know and santa's little elves should be teaching pa- parents how to do that too yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> Raspberry Pi setting up a London store to just sell Raspberry Pis. And to be quite honest, I just think Raspberry Pi is getting very commercial. Now, I've been trying to find a Raspberry Pi that's inside my budget range since before Christmas. All right. Because I really want to, to try some of them. I want to I wanna play around. I'm going to hold up something to the, to the screen here. This is, this is new toys as... Uh, um, as I had a budget to spend, not, not from not from the old team's tech budget, by the way, techie budget, by the way, so I'm, but for $10 on Amazon, I was able to get myself a little PCB holder for a circuit board holder. And I'm, I'm just buying little circuit boards again. Oh yeah, Aldi or Lidl, one or the other, Germans again. And they, they had a soldering gun. So I bought myself a little hobby soldering gun. I'm gonna start, soldering some kits together again because i haven't done them in ages and i just want to get back into doing them again yeah because the raspberry pi one i really like the idea because there's lots of things you can do from an av front and yeah. i was even trying to make my own media player or cody media player and all those kind of stuff for Did hooking up to my tv yeah like there's, there's a whole website we'll put the link up on the show notes for just little raspberry pi projects but like Simon said, it's it's finding one within your budget. It's getting very commercialized where it's just like, oh, do you want to buy? It? And it, it's sort of getting away from the whole idea of like, I just want to buy a circuit board that's Raspberry Pi and, and connect it all together and and play with it. And Because I, I originally like thought it was, I thought it was actually for, um, it was like to encourage kids yeah. to get in, to get into electronics where it's actually become a commercial market by itself as a product mm. that people could use in digital signage, as you said, 
it's it's or whatever else they're trying to create and run on a low budget um but it's probably not high security so from no. a commercial it's, it's enterprise open. point of view it's, it's all very, very it's very much it's for it's for the domestic and mm. um, market, I think, more than anything. Because they never really have sold the idea of you. Are you using a Windows operating system on this? Are you using an Android operating system on this? Are you using a Linux operating system on this? They leave it open to yeah. And I think Raspberry Pi, Raspberry itself, is based on a Linux-based system yeah, as well. Yeah. So, so it's um, it's when you usually say Linux in most enterprises companies. They, they start holding up crosses and start looking where does the holy water to start yeah, sprinkling yeah. on you. The power <laughs> Christ compelled you, component. <laughs> <laughs> so if it's Windows and Apple, no, if it's Windows, all good. If it's Apple, hmm, if it's Linux, don't, oh, you're just, just cross the line there um, yeah. in most cases. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. And I, I, I can, I can no, look, no offense I can, to I Linux. A, a alarm <laughs> bells that would go off if Simon ever introduced it. I have a cheaper way of doing digital signage in in my office. You know, I'm just going to put this on the network, you know, and see how long it takes someone to realise that it's on the network. You, you yeah, probably, exactly. You probably it'd be it'd be probably worse than like setting off the smoke alarm in 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 the building. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Sorry, Simon, we're just escorting you out of the building with your P45 now. Yes. And, and your Raspberry Pi. And your Raspberry Pi. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, good day to you, sir. <laughs> Simon will be joining us. We are going to do it. Probably, uh, we'll probably put a, together a little live video and put it on Twitter as well as we stand outside the convention centre next week. And... Uh, bring you some of the latest and greatest from AES. We're looking forward to that. Also, later in this month, we are going to be talking about cyber safety for both kids and adults and parents as well. And if you want to get in contact with the program, you can visit our website, www.allteenstech.ie. You can tweet Simon. Simon, I've said just Twitter handle that many times, you can't forget now. What is it? Yeah, it's Simon Lang AV. Yeah, you can contact me <laughs> at Justin or Dawson. All the details on our official website. We can be found on Apple. We can be found on all your big podcast networks as well we are also on youtube where you can look at the two of us in our comfortable uh, studio locations and uh, if you want to sponsor the show all the details on our website and um, you can also don donate to the show which also helps simon and myself buy new products to play with and also um, go to conferences and talk the latest and greatest tech and have a rant about how great or how bad it is that right, time. Brilliant. Perfect. Yeah. All Things Techie Podcast, brought to you by two tech junkies, Justin Dawson and Simon Lang. For more, visit www.allthingstech.ie for all things techie. The All Things Techie Podcast is a product of the Extreme Media Network. For advertising and sponsorship opportunities, please visit www.extrememedia.ie. That's X-T-R-E-M-E, media.ie.